What is going on, everybody? Eric here, and you are listening to something new, brand new. Those of you that know me, know me from my show, The Sidequesting Podcast, that I did all last year with my co-host, Tom. This is something different. I'm trying something solo, a new creative outlet that I'm calling The Unlockables Podcast. Odds are, if you're listening to this, like I said, you listen to the old show. But if this is your first time, welcome. Thank you for finding me. I appreciate you guys listening, as always, wherever and whenever in time and space you might be listening. So a couple things I wanted to clean up just before we kind of launch into what I'm calling episode zero of the show here. I'm going to kind of walk you guys through about what you can expect listening to the show and just kind of the ideas I have for the show going forward. And just a little bit about me. Like I said, if you're a new listener, if you've never heard any of the older content that I put out, uh, you'll get to know me a little bit better and know what to expect from the show. Uh, those of you that have listened to me obviously will know most of these things, but it might be a nice refresher since I've been gone for the last couple of months. And that's actually uh, one of the things before we dive into this here that I wanted to touch on. So uh, if you listen to my old show, The Side Questing Podcast, uh, just so you guys know, that show will be returning. Tom and I are going to be doing some more episodes on that. We're really excited to get back to that after we had kind of a break. But the break itself is the thing that I actually wanted to address here really quick. So we were moving along pretty well. We put out about 40-something episodes of the SideQuesting podcast, which was just kind of a loose format discussion of whatever Tom and I felt like talking about that specific week. Sometimes it was games. Sometimes it was specific genres of video games. Sometimes we did a couple of anime episodes where we wanted to talk about anime, uh, things of that nature. That's what Tom and I wanted to do to talk about on that show. Towards the end of December, though, and anybody or middle of December, beginning of December, maybe end of November, I'm not quite sure. I have to look back at that Instagram post when I announced that we were going on hiatus. Uh, Tom and I are both going through a lot of things. If you listen to the SideQuesting podcast, you'll know that I was building up to my wedding, which we just had this month in February. And Tom was also going through a number of life changes, which uh, I know you'll by listening to the SideQuesting podcast, you'll know. But we were really going through a period in time where we needed all of our attention focused on our lives and our families. And the podcast was successful in our eyes and we loved doing it, but it was just something that we were having a hard time getting together, doing the show. It was difficult to talk about things while life was going on. Uh, life really did just get in the way and we needed to focus all of our attention and our emotions on our lives. Like I said, the last two months leading up to the wedding, I just married my beautiful wife and we just got back from our incredible honeymoon in Mexico. The last two months sprint to that was really, really chaotic period in my lifetime. Just because it was around the holidays, COVID was ramping back up. I actually quit my job just before the wedding because I got a new job. So not only was I getting ready to marry the love of my life, I was also job transitioning, which is a super stressful thing to be doing while you're planning a huge gathering like a wedding. And sure enough, if it wasn't stressful enough, we got a blizzard the same week that the wedding was supposed to occur. So it was just stress on top of stress on top of stress. And really, we just had to go away for a little while. Uh, I was still playing video games. I was still interacting on Twitter, as was Tom. He was getting his Twitch streams going. We just needed a little more time to focus on ourselves and focus on our families. And that time was actually really, really, really desperately needed. But the thing I really want to say in talking about all that is I want to thank, uh, you know, you guys, you all know who you are. There are a lot of people to thank. I would fill up all the time of this episode thanking people 
who reached out, who offered words of encouragement, you know, who just said, hey, we know you got a lot of life stuff going on. You know, we're here to support you. Just checked in from time to time. That really did mean a lot. And it's really kind of left a spot in my heart for you guys, because it's almost like you were along for that ride. You were along with Tom and I for these major life transitions that we went through. This period of life will always be synonymous with that. We were doing the show. We were meeting a lot of incredible people who I count among my very close friends now. You were there alongside these major life shifts, and that will never change. That will never go away. That's something that is cemented in my life now. To have everybody that reached out, all these great friends, listeners of the show, uh, just random people offer words of encouragement, words of support, such nice things after I was such a harsh critic of the own things, my own creative output that I was you know, putting out there for the world to judge. It, it really did mean a lot to me. And in some of the most difficult times where life just seems so overwhelming, you guys were there. I just wanted to say thank you so much for all of those kind words as listeners of the SideQuesting podcast, as friends, as people who love video games just reached out. Even I found time to do a couple of shows in that time period too. I, I was able to guest on a couple people's shows and, and do do things like that. And I, I really appreciate you bringing me on, even though I was on hiatus, having that outlet to express some of my creative ideas and just talk about games with friends. That really was, it, it, it pulled me through for sure. It definitely pulled me through uh, alongside, you know, the support that my wife gave me and just everything that we were going through in life at the time. So that's what I wanted to say. Uh, that was the reason for the hiatus of the side questing podcast. And I just wanted to address it. Tom and I are both very grateful for all of the amazing people that we've met. Everybody that listened to the show, people that we consider very close friends today and still going forward. That show will be returning. Tom and I plan to restart a lot of the stuff we've been working on uh, last year, this year. Uh, we're going to obviously be doing the side questing podcast. I believe as the expansion for Monster Hunter Rise gets closer, we're going to be returning to Hunt Mondays on Tom's stream, which I'm very, very excited about. Just things like that. We'll be working on more things going into the future. But as for me, I always knew I wanted to do something else that was a little more. I knew I wanted to work on something creative that was my own and that I could go in a direction that I wanted to go with it. This idea I called the Unlockables Podcast. Probably wondering, hey, that's a pretty cool name for a podcast. At least I thought so. I, I really enjoyed working on the logo, working on the concept, things of that nature. I was able to work on while the podcast, the side questing podcast was on hiatus. I was able to work on the design for, for this show, and it really kind of scratched my creative itch while we were doing all this life planning stuff. So you're probably wondering, well, what, what is it? What are you going to do on this show? And that's an excellent question. It's something that even while I'm recording this, what I'm calling episode zero, this introductory episode, that I'm still thinking about. It's something that I don't think I've fully answered. And I think as I do shows and kind of figure out what the format is going forward, I'll, I'll explore that as I have people on the show, as I do solo episodes, as I work on things that I knew I wanted to talk about, knew I wanted to work on. 
the show will evolve and probably come into its own, I'm assuming. Or it'll just be a jumbled, chaotic mess for its entire existence. I don't know. I initially came up with this idea. Uh, one of my initial inspirations was there is a podcast put out by the Ringer Podcast Network. Uh, and it was a short, like, six-part mini podcast series about uh, the rise and fall of HQ Trivia, if you remember the HQ app. Back in like the mid-late 2010s, I think, you could go on, it had the host, you could answer questions and win like a prize money. It was like a live trivia show in real time. You could play with millions of people. And the title of the show, if you want to go and listen to it, it's actually a really interesting listen, is uh, Boom Bust, The Rise and Fall of HQ Trivia. I listened to that and it was different than any of the podcasts I listened to before. Most podcasts I listened to are episodic, are weekly, and are continually ongoing and most of the time cover things that are happening in live, like live events that are currently happening, whether it's in video games, sports, world news, whatever. They're covering what's happening now. It's very much like current events or current news. This show was almost like an investigative journal piece, kind of like you would see in like a, a 2020 or a Netflix documentary about what happened to this entity HQ that was super, super popular and all of a sudden just disappeared. One day it was like there was so much buzz about it for what seemed like two to three months or maybe half a year. And all of a sudden it was just it was just gone. It was just disappeared. And hearing kind of what happened to that show was super interesting. It got me thinking about that format of podcasting a little bit. What if I did these couple part multi part series about a specific topic? I did the research. I talked to some people. That idea really got me excited about the potential of podcast in the video game space because there's so many things in gaming now that it's been around for 50, you know, 50, 60 years that you could talk about, that you could do deep dives on. And that's kind of where I initially started to want to take the show in that direction because I didn't see a lot of people in the space doing that. I thought for a long time that I wanted to do stuff like talk about games I was playing or talk about news or what was happening in the industry, things like that. But there are already a lot of shows that do that in the video game podcasting space, shows that do that so much better than I ever could. There's so many amazingly talented people that are covering what's happening right now in gaming that are doing, uh, you know, retro uh, retrospectives on old retro games and going through their backlogs and playing those and doing deep dives on the games that they're playing. A lot of my friends do really great shows like that. I didn't feel like I could do another show that was just doing that. And I couldn't do it to the level that they were doing it. And I didn't want to because they were already doing a great job. And another thing I wanted to was thinking about as I was coming up with the concept for this show, you know, the role of content consumption in our lives. So much of life now is talking about what content are you consuming? Like, and so many people are trying to get your attention, waving their arms, say, hey, hey, Consume my content. Look over here. More content to consume. And that's fine. I consume content with the rest of them, which is actually consume content. Try and say that like 50 times fast. I I do it. My wife and I watch shows all the time. I'm always playing new games. I'm always, uh, you know, reading new stuff or listening to new podcasts. So it's, it's true. My life is very much the consumption of content. As I've been getting older, I've been thinking about that more responsibly, I guess. Like right now, as a 30-year-old person, not to have just dated myself, 
my time is at a premium. So I'm not just looking to consume any old content. I'm looking to consume content that is meaningful, is either teaching me something, is a story that connects with me emotionally. It, it's something, I don't want to call it responsible content, but it's, it's responsible content. It's content that respects my time. I didn't want to be just putting out content just to put out content, just to be screaming out into the void along with everybody else and just saying, hey, look, I'm putting out this thing that a bunch of other people are doing. I wanted to put out something that was that I felt was meaningful, not just putting not, not just the the sausage grinder of content that comes out continually every day. Not saying that that's what you guys do, not saying that that's what everybody else does. Uh, there's just a lot of stuff out there that's just it, 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 like I said, it's just yelling into the void because there's something to yell about. It's it's reacting. Today is so much based on the content you're consuming and what just happened and reacting to it immediately. Not that there's anything inherently wrong with that, but I didn't want to be just another voice reacting and saying, hey, look at me, like react my opinion over here. Look at me. I wanted to do something that was a little bit different. And after listening to the, the HQ podcast, that's where I kind of started to get this idea of something that could come out. It would be me doing research. It would be me doing like these episodes where I would pick a topic and break it down to like six episodes and take you through the history and just talk about it a little bit. Something more of an in-depth dive come out that were episodic that were a little more produced, a little more professional. And that's kind of the initial idea I started to. And I started down that road. I started doing some research. I started picking some topics. And I realized quickly that that's a lot of work to, to produce like six episodes of like a 30 to 40 minute a podcast for one topic is a lot of work. It's a lot of research. It's a lot of writing things that I haven't done in a long time. I was very good at writing in college. I got really great grades in all of my communications and my writing classes when I went to school. So I know it's something that I can do. It's just been so long since I've ever kind of done that research for a project. And it's something that I'm still working up to. So I started to kind of shift my focus a little bit. And what I really found myself doing in the hiatus time while I was leading up to the wedding is reflecting on the role of video games in my life. And I started talking to a lot of people, a lot of my friends that do shows and podcasts about just just video games and video games that they liked and, and stories they had playing video games. And so my shift kind of occurred during those conversations. And what I really wanted to do and what I really landed on, I wrote a tagline and it's currently the my Twitter bio for the Unlockables podcast. I said, it is the story of video games, the people who play them, and the memories made along the way. And I think that covers pretty well what I want this podcast to be about. I want it to be the story of video games. What are video games? Video games would be nothing without the people that play them. So who's playing them? What are they playing? What memories do they have? What, what is their gaming journey? What is games, this this consumable form of media that's interactive meant to them as a person and that's really kind of what I settled on so the show is going to be a combination of things I'm really going to make an effort to have a lot more people on the show to talk about if they have a podcast talk about their podcasts talk about the video games they played in their lives talk about the moments playing these games that really stick with them or great memories they made with other people playing these video games that's really what I want to get at because it, I found that for the same reason I went to school to be a marketing major it the sa is the same reason that I really enjoy putting, playing video games and it's the storytelling aspect of it, right? 
my view in marketing is that you're trying to tell whoever you're selling something to a story. What is the story of this product and why are you buying it? That's really kind of a surface level peek into my headspace about the major of education that I pursued. It, it was the same thing with video games. You know, I started thinking a lot more analytically about these video games, but that I was playing since I started listening to podcasts and started listening to all these great people who have all these great opinions and insights and, and things like that on all these video games. But I really started thinking about the stories as well. What is the story of the people who play these? What is the story of the people that made these? What stories do they have playing these games that they love to share and that, that mean so much to them and have an impact on their life? Because, you know, it, it sounds kind of silly to say out loud, but in the same way that you can say movies heavily impacted my life or a certain story or something that I saw or read, video games can have the same effect. I have many, many instances in my life that are tied very closely to my memory of playing games at that time. So that's kind of the medium that I wanted to explore. And that's, that's the direction I want this show to go. I'm also going to be doing that alongside these research pieces. I've continued working on that. That's something I'm going to be putting out uh, my first one uh, a few months down the road when I finish working on that. Because it is a lot of work to write a script and research and make sure all your, all your facts are right and write a script and divide it into episodes that, that flow nicely and figure out how many episodes you want to do and what topics you want to do. So I really think that that's what you can expect from this podcast. You can expect people coming on and talking about the games that they love and their memories of them. And those will be shows with guests and interviews and anybody that I can get to come on the show. You'll get short to medium length series pieces about certain topics in video games that'll be heavily researched and scripted and all done up and more professional than just me talking to myself or, or you guys or people that I bring on the show. And then I will have an occasional episode or so where it's just me talking about something that I think is relevant because I don't want to be strictly like a, a video game news podcast, but I do think there are important things that are happening in the industry that need to be addressed and need to be discussed. And that was one of my old go goals with the side questing podcast was I wanted to talk about things in the industry that mattered and were important, such as, you know, the Activision Blizzard stuff that happening, uh, you know, developers trying to unionize. I think those topics are very important. And the business side of games has also always interested me a little bit to find out what's going on behind this product that got put out because I went to business school. So that's what you're going to get from me. So that's what it's going to be like. You'll be getting a couple episodes a month with incredible guests on to talk about the games they love, their gaming journey throughout their life, and whatever content that they're working on. You'll probably get like an episode a month of me just talking about something that I think is important. And then once these uh, more highly formatted research pieces get going, you'll have five or six episodes about a certain topic that come out that's just, you know, it might be like the development, like something for the PS1, or it might be, you know, the history of a, of a really important developer or something like that. It'll be something that uh, I want to talk about and discover. And as I learn more about games, I want to share it with people. And maybe you'll not have learned that thing. Maybe you'll learn something new. I don't know. That's kind of the direction that I want the show to go so that you guys know what you're getting into when you listen to this. So, yeah, like I said, the tagline is the story of video games, the people who play them, and the memories made along the way. That's what we're going to stick with. That's what's going to be happening. Better buckle up because these episodes are coming and they're coming soon.
one of the things I wanted to do in this episode zero is just give you guys a little bit of a taste of who I am as a host, especially if you are new to the show, new to the Unlockables, haven't listened to SideQuesting podcast. So I'm going to run through my personal gaming journey, and this is something that I want to do when I have guests on the show. Just talk about where did you start in life with video games? What did you do? What did you start playing? What was happening in your life around times? What did they mean to you? So I'm going to do a little bit of that. If you've listened to the SideQuesting podcast before, a lot of this may sound familiar to you. Maybe you'll learn some new things. I don't know. I just wanted to take a walk down memory lane and just kind of talk about myself because I love talking about myself. I don't know. Something like that. I actually really hate talking about myself. It's really awkward. Just to kind of start things off, I started playing video games when I was three years old. It's one of my earliest, most formative memories. I remember when my dad brought home a Super Nintendo and Super Nintendo that had the Super Mario All-Stars and it had Super Mario World on it. And that was, to my recollection, the first video game that I ever played was Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo. I'm not exactly sure. I have my suspicions that my father may have (laughs) acquired said Super Nintendo kind of, uh, I won't say illegally, but probably not in... (laughs) It certainly wasn't purchased. Uh, Same thing, too, a couple years later when he brought home a PlayStation 1. So my father used to work for a company that had had a hand in making... You remember when you were little and you go into a store and you go to the video game sections? They'd have, like, these kiosks with the system and a controller sticking out and a TV on it that you could, like, play demos of the games. The company used to work for, I think, had a hand in making those. So I think they had stocks of the extra consoles lying around to make and package along with with that display kiosk thing. And so I think he got them that way. I'm not 100% sure because I remember he would just come home with work from work with, with them sometimes. It's very, very weird memory. So uh, kind of a weird way that I acquired my first video games because maybe my dad was <laughs> skimming off the top a little bit. Not to throw my father under the bus. Um, I love him very much. My father brought home a Super Nintendo when I was three, played Super Mario World. Uh, It was a short time later, and I don't really have the the years, the time periods for this. I just know that I started playing Nintendo when I was three. He brought home a PS1 a little bit later. I don't really know like when. So this era of video game is kind of all homogenous to me. So I had the Super Nintendo, the PS1, like the N64, and a Game Boy kind of all at the same time. Really, I know those are kind of going to different eras and different console generations, but to me, that was all the same thing because I had all of them at the same time, eventually. When my father brought home the PS1, that's when I was introduced to more, like, the 3D. The way gaming was going was was towards 3D, so I was that was really my first taste of the 3D generation of gaming because one, one of the really cool things, and I think this had to do with the fact that they worked building, like, these display things that you could play in the store, was the the PlayStation package he brought home had this demo disc with it. And I remember because I spent hours playing all the different games on this on this demo disc. So you'd pop it in and the demo disc would fire up and it would have a, a purple background and there'd be all these little windows down it, like maybe four or five rows of all these little windows that you could select a game to play from and you, and you could try it. You could play it out. I remember there was Crash Bandicoot on there. There was a, a Tomb Raider demo on there. Uh, there was some kind of rate, like rally racing game, like a dirt rally racing game that I can't remember. There was Tekken on there. I, I have clear memories of playing all of these games on this demo disc. And I wonder to this day what happened to it, because if that was like a demo disc from like a store thing, that could maybe be a collectible item. I wish I still had it, but I know for sure I definitely, definitely don't have it anymore. 
I spent hours and hours, and that was really my first experience, way to experience all these different kinds of, of video games was through this demo disc. Like I experienced a racing game, I experienced Crash Bandicoot, I experienced a fighting game in Tekken, I experienced, uh, there's some kind of like four player, like battle, top down, like battle game with like an arena. I can't remember it, but I remember, like the, I remember vaguely the game in my head and I, I can't remember the name of it, but it was my first experience with all these games and silly little young me thought that the rest of the game was on that demo disc because I have, I have clear memories of the, the first level of Crash Bandicoot was on that dem- demo disc, right? And I have clear memories of playing that first level over and over and over again. And you know how Crash Bandicoot 1 is. When you get to the end, you go through the, the exit portal or whatever, and you go to the box counting screen where the boxes like hit Crash to determine like whether or not you got all the boxes in level and could get the gem. And if you didn't get all the boxes, you know they would fall and crash and like knock them down. That's where that game ended was that screen. It just ended there. And then it would take you, I don't remember if it would just end there and you have to exit or if it would end there and you have to like, it would kick you back out to like the, the demo screen to select the game. I remember my younger self, I was convinced that the rest of the game was on there because I was like, there has to be more. So I would play the first level through to completion and I would leave it and I'd put the controller down for, for hours. I would put it down and I'd walk away and just leave that ending screen up because I was like, if I let enough time go by, uh, the, the rest of the game will show up. That's how my brain worked back then. You know, unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. That's how my brain worked. I also thought the same thing, too, when I, I'll talk about my favorite game, Final Fantasy IX, in a minute. But I loved the music in that game, and I thought I could just put the game disc into, like, a Walkman and listen to the music, and it, it just it didn't work that way. <laughs> so I had some really weird opinions of the way technology worked back when I was a younger kid. That was really my first experience into gaming, and despite having this window into the wider gaming world and, and all these things that were out, uh, I didn't really have an opportunity to acquire many full video games in my upbringing because I was raised in a relatively small, like almost borderline, like farm town community in the Midwest growing up. And I was enrolled in private school. So my upbringing was, it wasn't like super ultra conservative, but it was more conservative than if I had like had an experience in like a public school or like a non-religious upbringing. So I didn't get an opportunity to acquire very many video games because while my parents were supportive of me playing games, it was always very limited. It would be like an hour a day and I could only get certain video games uh, for special times like my birthday or for Christmas or, or things like that. While I did have a lot of some games like Super Mario World, Turtles in Time, Star Fox, Pokemon, uh, I also missed out on a lot of really, really big games from that generation. Uh, to this day, I still have not played Link to the Past. To this day, I still have not played Final Fantasy VI, Super Metroid, Doom, uh, you know, Mario 64, Ocarina of Time. A lot of these games that came out, I had to prioritize what I wanted during that time. And so, you know, when it came to like getting another Mario or Pokemon game versus like taking a chance on Link to the Past... I just I didn't do it because I was unfamiliar with Zelda at that time. I had a little bit of familiarity with Zelda. The only thing I knew about it was my uncle, who's my mom's brother, he had an NES and a Super NES in his room. He lived with my grandparents still back in the day. And so when we went over to my grandparents' house, he would take us into his room, me and my cousin, and he would let us play NES and Super NES. And he had 
a ton of games. He had so many. He had like 30, 40, 50 NES games. And that was my first experience with games older than the Super Nintendo. It was Paperboy. It was I did play the the original Legend of Zelda eventually. It was uh, so uh, so many of these other old games. Uh, Spy Hunter. There there were there were so many that we that we tried and that we played that I'm sure are locked away in my memories. So it wasn't until later that I kind of got the experience of that. Hey, there are these older games out here, and it wasn't really the same way that it was back then, right? Or well, the way the way it was back then isn't the way it is now, where there's just so much information being blasted at you about video games at all time. It, it you didn't have that. This was. My upbringing was just before the the advent of the internet. I existed before Google. <laughs> if any of my younger listeners, I existed before Google, which is probably mind blowing to, to to think about. So you didn't really have a way to get information. It was only on if you saw commercials. It was only if you saw things in magazines. It was only if you, perchance, tried to play something in like a, a one of the demo kiosks at the store, or you had like a friend that would introduce you to it. That was really the only way you could figure out what was going on and what was happening in the world at, at that age. Eventually, I had a subscription to Nintendo Power that, a lot, that allowed me to see a lot more games. But even then, like even now, you could di- dial up any game you want on YouTube and look at a trailer of it. You didn't you always used to be able to do that. The only thing you had was screenshots in magazines like Nintendo Power to kind of gauge what games were coming out. So I got introduced to a lot of different games through, you know, friends I had that played games through uh, my cousin who who had a lot of games and yeah, it was you. Just, you kind of had to get introduced to games, however you could. And I wasn't always allowed to get certain games, like I missed out on Mortal Kombat and things like that because it was just too violent for my upbringing. One chance encounter I did come into contact with was, and somebody will have to message me and let me know if this is something else that they experienced too. So to this day, I remember getting introduced to to Pokemon, which has had a pretty significant impact on my life because I'm still playing Pokemon to this day. My fiance and I collect the cards and I've got Pokemon plushies in my gaming room here. So needless to say, it had a pretty big impact on my life. I remember getting introduced to Pokemon in a really unorthodox way. I remember back in the day, the mail used to be a big thing, right? You'd handwrite letters and mail them to people. Uh, one day in our mail, a VHS tape showed up. I can't remember if this was because I was signed up for Nintendo Power at that time or like what was going on or if I was signed up to any kind of kid magazine or whatever. But I remember... There was a promotional VHS that showed up in the mail. Like people used to mail people VHSs to show them things. You could just dial up an internet connection. You had to send people a physical videotape. And it had a whole promote, like a 20-minute promotion about the Pokemon anime, right? And so it was like Ash narrating it. It was Professor Oak like telling us what the world of Pokemon was and all this stuff. And then when it's gonna be on, it's gonna be on TV. And that's how I was introduced to Pokemon. And I don't know if that's how that, and eventually I got a Game Boy and got the game and, and so on and so forth. But that was such a crazy way to be introduced to something is I literally have a VHS tape of it mailed to your house and to see it that way. So as I was growing up, this time of like the late 90s, early 2000s, this is when I hit a really influential period in my life of video games. This is when I discovered RPGs, Super Mario RPG being the first RPG I ever played. And it's when my cousin showed me my favorite game probably to this day that I've ever played, Final Fantasy IX. That game changed my life. It changed my opinions on video games. It heavily influenced some of my, what I consider my moral compass too. The, the, the themes and the lessons I took from that video game, I carry with me to this day. And it was the same thing a couple years later, or maybe a year or so later when the PS2 came out, 
one of my fi- other favorite uh, franchises of all time, which to this day I still can't explain, Kingdom Hearts came out. So I experienced Final Fantasy IX and Kingdom Hearts back-to-back in a very short period of time. I have played combined those two games probably more than any other game on this planet ever. Probably you could combine all of them all, and I probably still don't have as much playtime. played those games extensively, and to this day, those two games, uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 specifically and Final Fantasy IX, are two of the biggest influences of anything I've ever seen in my life because of their story, because of their message. Not necessarily because of the gameplay, not necessarily because of the the voice acting, which especially in Kingdom Hearts is is typically super egregious. The, the story and just the emotional connections I have with those games growing up, and to this day still, if I'm having a bad time, if you know life is getting me down a little bit, I can go back to those games and feel good and feel comfortable. There, It's comfort food. It's a place I can go emotionally to kind of just forget about life for a little while. And that's what those two games, that's why personally to me, they're, they're my favorite games because they provide, I have such an emotional connection to them. My late childhood and preteen years were more heavily influenced by the GBA and the PlayStation 2. Understandable, the PlayStation 2 was an absolute juggernaut when it came out. I kind of had an idea about Xbox, and I just really wasn't interested in the the purple GameCube lunchbox <laughs> when it came out. Uh, so uh, I, we got a PlayStation 2 for Christmas, and along with it, Kingdom Hearts, and it's one of the first PS2 games I ever played. Just the uh, you know the extensive PS2 library, like I said, Kingdom Hearts 2, Medal of Honor, Dynasty Warriors, Tony Hawk's Underground, Burnout, Jack and Daxter, Guitar Hero, Ratchet and Clank. Those games are a huge, 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 huge part of my childhood. Tons of hours spent on on all of those games. And the second thing that was a huge factor during that time, um, you know, preteen, late childhood, preteen years, Game Boy Advanced. I always had a Game Boy. I had a very soft spot for it. I'd had, I had the original brick Game Boy in red color, and then I had a Game Boy Color, which was like the purple see-through uh, that people like to do uh, console and controller mods of. But... The Game Boy Advance, and especially the Game Boy Advance SP, to this day, probably remains one of my favorite consoles, if you can even call it a console handheld. It was hugely formative, because this was the era before smartphones. And so you'd take your Game Boy with you on the road, and especially when the Game Boy SP had a chargeable battery, and you didn't, your parents didn't have to buy batteries to, to fund your video game <laughs> needs. That was incredible, and it had a folding and a backlit screen as opposed to the old Game Boy Advance, which just had a dark screen, which I don't know why that was a thing. I have so many memories of taking my Game Boy Advance SP to my friend's house, and we played games like Mario Kart Super Circuit. Uh, We played games like Advance Wars 1 and 2, which is two of my favorite games of all time. I love those games so much. Didn't so much play Pokemon during this era. I kind of fell off Pokemon after Gen 2, and once like Gen 3 came out with like Ruby, Sapphire, Emerald, like, I, w- I wasn't really interested anymore. I was going a different direction. I was experiencing different games. So I started experiencing tactical games with Advance Wars 1 and 2. And of course, uh, Fire Emblem, the original Fire Emblem on GBA that was the first Fire Emblem game ever released in the United States. Thanks to the success of Advance Wars, Advance Wars 1 and Advance Wars 2. I believe that that Fire Emblem game was the seventh Fire Emblem game, the Blazing Blade. It was a sequel to Fire Emblem 6, which is the one with Roy Binding Blade, if my memory serves me correct. 
So yeah, I just I I would go over to my best friend's house and we would just play Game Boy like all day, sleep over all night, and just play Game Boy together. Like we weren't even playing the same games together. We would just sit in the room and play Game Boy Advance together. And uh, those memories were were absolutely incredible. So many, so many, so many, so many hours spent playing Advance Wars and Fire Emblem. Just just so many, unbelievable. GBA two was my first interaction with a Metroid game. So I finally got introduced to Metroidvanias with Metroid Fusion and. This was one of the rare times in my early gaming history that I took a chance on something that I didn't fully know anything about. I'd only seen Metroid Fusion in screenshots in Nintendo Power Magazine. And so I didn't know anything about this game. But at the time, you would go back through all the magazines and look at the pictures. I kept going back to this game. It, it just seemed really, I don't know what it was about it. So I got my parents to buy it for me for like a birthday or Christmas or something. And that was really the first time I ever took a chance on a video game that I didn't know anything about. The rest of the video games I was playing was because I'd like seen them played or my friends had played them or or something like that. Like I was getting my information from other sources to get these games. And that's how I did it. But Fusions was the first time I ever took a chance on something that I just saw, just saw in a magazine. So yeah, that that whole era was kind of, you know, leading into starting to go into high school, you know, teen years, preteen years, getting close to to 13, 14 in freshman year. And I think high school is where my love of video games really kind of took off. Like my, my, how much I realized that I love them and how much they meant to me. I didn't really understand until that point, because as you're going into high school, your body is, you know, your body's changing, you're growing up, you're going through obviously puberty. One of the things I like to do in grade school is I like to, I like to play soccer and I like to, to participate in, in sports Growing up, I had a really bad history of allergies and asthma. I always had to take an inhaler. I always had to, I, to this day, I still go once a month and get allergy shots because my allergies uh, cause me discomfort that just kind of sucks to <laughs> breathe and be alive. Not that it sucks to be alive, but uh, it just sucks to exist uh, day in and day out without that kind of help. It's just uh, runny nose and headaches and sinus pressure and all that stuff. As you start to grow up in high school and you become more like athletic and fit, I found that I couldn't compete at the level where I could have any kind of meaningful playing time or participation in athletics with my friends. Uh, I would just, you know, go to practice, I would struggle, and then I would just sit on the bench and not have any playing. I wouldn't be able to interact or do any play with my friends because I just physically couldn't. And so it's at that point I kind of wandered away from sports and went towards things like uh, music and choir, and I was more uh, creative on, on that side of school activities and Scholastics Bowl, and so I applied my mind to those things, uh, but I still had a competitive itch, and it was around this time, I know it was happening earlier, but it was around this time that I um, figured out that you can play video games online, you know, Xbox Live was a thing, and so I got an Xbox 360, and Halo 3 came out, and Halo 3 was my first real experience online playing games with people was playing you know multiplayer with people i'd played halo before i'd played you know mario kart before on split screen with people but this was the first time that you could play with people from all across the world i was terrible at it but it was so much fun because it gave me a way to scratch my competitive itch because i couldn't compete in high school sports and i felt like i lost that identity because you know in high school that's what it's about it's about identifying with what you're doing and that kind of like defines helps define your friend group and so I couldn't play sports anymore so I wasn't really having as much interaction and those people that played sports together and traveled to all those games formed those bonds and I, I didn't have those experiences to share with people but I had a different group of friends that I had 
shared video game experiences with. And that really kind of formed another one of the core friend groups and core relationships in my life growing up was being able to play video games online and compete and, and, and do all that stuff. This is the era, right? This is this is where multiplayer online gaming explodes because you have Halo 3, which concludes the Halo trilogy. And it's just an absolute... To this day, I think Halo 3 is still the premier way to experience Halo. I know a lot of people will say 2. That's fair. But I think 3 is just like the pinnacle of what Bungie was trying to do at the time. And it's at this time you had a little game come out called Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. And this sucked me in. I was part of that age growing up high school kids that grew up with Call of Duty, right? Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare 2, those were the two really big ones while I was in high school that everyone was playing. Everyone was playing. Even people that didn't play video games were playing these games. And so this was my in to talk to and have relationships with everybody because I didn't do sports and I did different things with with different groups of people. And this was how I formed a core majority of my friendships was with these video games. The only downfall of this, is right, is I spent so much time playing these competitive games like Halo 3, like Call of Duty, that I missed out on so many incredible titles that were coming out around this time, right? You had a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of games in this 360 era that I never got to play. I never played Mass Effect. I still to this day haven't played Mass Effect. Uh, I still to this day haven't played the original Bioshock. I briefly attempted to play Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion and I hated it. I missed out on Uncharted when it came out. I still haven't played Dragon Age. So there's a lot of games, a lot of big games from this era that I never played because of this. And it was really the same going into college, you know. The same thing happened when I got to college. There were different friend groups, but most people on my floor had Xboxes. And every night we were playing Call of Duty Zombies. We were playing Rocket League. Uh... That which came out obviously a little bit later, and and it was really more of an era of social gaming for me because that's how I identified with my friends. So if it wasn't something I could play with people, it wasn't something that I was really playing. Uh, so a lot of these things that you couldn't play with people, I I kind of I kind of missed out on. So like I said in college, it was zombies, Rocket League, anything like that. I did play the Assassin's Creed titles because those were I really liked those a lot, especially AC two. Fallout 3 finally got me into the Bethesda games. Uh, I was a huge Gears of War fan, the original trilogy. The first three, especially playing Horde mode. I didn't really too much like the competitive multiplayer, but the Horde mode. God damn, my friends and I would play Horde mode for hours and hours every single night. It was so much, so much, so much fun. Uh, Borderlands 2 was one that we played a lot. Um, Red Dead Redemption. So I, I did play some big games from this era, but I missed out on a lot of other ones that I still am meaning to, to go back to. And that really kind of defined the way I play games until probably five or six years ago. And it was at that time I was realizing, hey, all these like great games are coming out and I'm missing them. But I didn't quite make the transition full yet because there were, there were two, two more games that came out that I sunk a lot of hours into that made me miss other games. First one was Destiny. And Destiny was a fantastic experience despite all of the flaws that Destiny 1 had of being kind of shallow until like Taken King expansion came out, not having much to do. Um, my f core friend group and I were playing Destiny 
every single night. We were logging in every single night to do objectives, to do tasks. We were raiding every single week. We had all three classes. We had Titans, Hunters, and Warlocks. We were all doing the raids three times a week with all of our classes to try and get all of the gear. Uh, heavy, heavy. I sunk four or 500 hours into Destiny 1. A ton. Just so much time into that original game because it was an experience with friends and it's what everyone was doing. And to this day, that's some of my craziest like gaming experiences was around that community because that's what everybody was talking about who played that game. Did you get the Galahorn? You, you can search Destiny 1 Galahorn reaction videos when that weapon finally dropped and people lost their absolute shit because that was the de facto weapon around that time. Or the Icebreaker or just these, these rare weapons that you wanted to get doing these raids with people, being part of the community. That was a really big chunk of my life for, for probably two years. And then the other big one that came out uh, around the time of Destiny 2, uh, I believe, was Monster Hunter World. And it was this game, Monster Hunter World in particular. So rewind a little bit. I knew of Monster Hunter's existence, and it was a series I had tried to get into a couple times. I think once on the PSP, I had an original PSP, and once on the DS. I had attempted to get into these games. I don't. I just don't think I was old enough or mature enough to to grasp the concepts. The same thing kind of happened with Monster Hunter World. This game was kind of shifted my focus on gaming. Uh, up until then, I, I liked things that were faster, quicker pace that offered instant gratification. That uh, anything that was I felt was like too slow of a pace, I I didn't want to play. And that included games, you know, like like the Dark Souls and things that you know were like challenging i just kind of didn't want anything to do with i just wanted multiplayer social experience the same thing happened with world so i bought world bought it on ps4 had a hard time getting into it, i remember played it for a few hours played it with some friends one of my friends kind of showed me the ropes of this game and beat it all on ps1 or not ps1 ps4 and I kind of got it. I started to get it a little bit. Um, it wasn't until it came out on PC that I started playing it again that it really clicked. I got this appreciation for Monster Hunter is a complex game, but it's simple in what it wants you to do. It, the core gameplay loop is hunt or prepare for a hunt, hunt the monster, craft new gear, prepare for a hunt. It's a loop. That's all it is. And I had this appreciation. And Monster Hunter is a game too where if you're not prepared for the hunt and you're just stupid about the way you hunt the monster... You will just get your ass handed to you. So it shifted my perspective of gaming from this fast-paced run-and-gun style of video games to this more, okay, I'm fine with fighting the same thing for a half hour. I'm fine with this, you know, three, four hours of gaming going by and only getting six or seven hunts in. Um, it, it Just something about that loop and something about the way it shifted my perspective of gaming was so enticing. And I spent hundreds of hours playing Monster Hunter World. And I think that shift in perspective is kind of what led me into, at the start of the side questing podcast, wanting to experience a wider array of video games and go back and explore the video games I missed and play things that I wouldn't normally have ever went and played. And that's currently what I'm trying to do right now. Uh, since I started the side questing podcast, I've realized how much I've missed out on. And I've, I've hyper-focused on these big multiplayer AAA games and I've been trying to go back and play a bunch of stuff that I missed. I mean, just since I started the side questing podcast, I went back and I played all the Donkey Kong countries, which I had played 
but never fully experienced. Uh, I went back and I played Final Fantasy VIII, which was and seven, which were two from the PS one era of Final Fantasies. I love nine so much. I didn't experience seven or eight, and I have a much deeper appreciation for that era of gaming, especially those Final Fantasies. Now that I've played all of them, I went back and I played Control, which is a great game from the mid to late. I don't know. It's like 2016, 2015. That game was incredible. And I can't believe that I missed it six years ago, seven years ago, or however long ago it was. I'm currently working on, I'm finally have on my list this year to, to finally play Link to the Past and play some of these other older games. By the time the podcast rolled around, I had only played one of the PlayStation exclusive games. I played Gear, or not Gears, I played God of War, not Gears of War. Man, that's a terrible slip up. I only played God of War. And since then, I've gone back and I've played two of the Uncharted's. Uh, I played Last of Us. I played, uh, I played, I just finished Horizon Zero Dawn. So like, I've been experiencing these other games that I just didn't because I was too busy sinking time into to these social gaming experiences. And it's something I'm going to continue to do throughout my journey. It's something that I'm, I'm planning to pick up. Uh, this podcast obviously comes out before. Uh, well, the time of recording is is before <laughs> Forbidden West comes out, but uh, I want to pick up Sifu. And if I hadn't started the podcast, I wouldn't have looked twice at Sifu and ever thought about picking up a game like that. Uh, I want to pick up Returnal, which is something that I never, ever had any interest in until I started doing the podcast and started listening to people talk about the game. So I'm realizing that I'm missing these huge gaming experiences that I, I don't want to anymore. I want to experience more of what all these different games and all these different people putting out games have to offer. So that's kind of where my my journey with gaming ends or, or where it kind of leaves off right now is I'm working on the Unlockables podcast. The side questing podcast will be coming back. I'm trying to complete more games and experience more games than I ever have. Uh, I only finished 15 games last year just because of how busy life was. I've already finished eight games this year which is more than half of what I did all last year. And some of them are longer titles. Some of them are shorter titles. Some of them are just things I've had on my Switch backlog that I've been meaning to finish for a while now. But I'm I'm finishing more games to just experience and have a better understanding of what games are and what and to expand my horizons a little bit because I, maybe that's just something of growing older. Maybe that's just something of growing up. And that has been my personal journey with video games so if you ever come on the show if i asked you to come on the show uh, expect to talk a little bit about that maybe not to this in depth because i'm doing a solo episode and having to fill airtime but expect to come on and talk about what your journey has been what your relationship with video games has been and obviously we'll talk about any creative output that you're doing we'll talk about your podcast we'll talk about you know things that you're proud of or, or just any random topics that come up but I want to know about the people that play video games and what their stories are because I think that's a really really fascinating thing that not a lot of people get a chance to tell and it's that's what I want this space to be is for people to come on and just talk about what they love because we're all doing this because we love it. We wouldn't be doing it otherwise. I mean, maybe the way the industry and uh, the way the community is in general is it seems like you have to hate video games to to be a part of the community. Uh, but as one of my very, very good friends tweets out every single week, it's okay to like a video game. It's okay to like something. It's also okay to dislike something. You're allowed to have your own opinions. 
but I want people to come on and share their stories with me. And that's really, really what I'm going to probably focus on for the duration of this show. I hope you've enjoyed just a little bit of a sneak peek and my personal return to podcasting uh, and just a little bit of what the Unlockables podcast is, is going to be about. I'm going to start trying to have episodes every single week. I'm going to start having some people on, some of my really good friends, and we're just going to get this thing going and we're going to see where it takes us. Hopefully you enjoy it. I'm going to try to get better as a podcast host, as an interviewer, as an editor. So if the sound quality of the show changes from episode to episode. Uh, you might notice I'm just trying to get better at kind of the whole process. And this show is going to help me do that, along with hopefully have some amazing conversations with my friends and some amazing talks. And if you learn something, great. If you changes your opinion on something, great. If you want to email me or message me <laughs> to call me a fucking idiot, Go right ahead. I love the interaction anyways. And speaking of emailing or messaging me, uh, it's time for my least favorite part of this, which is the socials, because I'll never remember them. So one of the main ways I communicate is through Twitter. I have a personal Twitter account at the one true sire. So if you want to tweet me directly or talk about stuff, that's how I interact mostly on Twitter. Uh, I also have a Twitter account for the Unlockables podcast at Unlockables pod. Please follow that because it's very small <laughs> and uh, posting uh, show updates, guests, uh, clips of the show and things like that on that Twitter account. So you should definitely, definitely go follow that. And if you give me a second, I will pull up my Instagram one because I was not ready for this. Of course, I didn't put this in the notes. Why would I do that? You can find me on Instagram at Unlockables Pod, uh, all lowercase, just Unlockables Pod. And I will probably be uh, I will be running the Unlockables Pod and Sidequesting Podcast Instagram still. I know most of you communicate me through the Sidequesting Podcast Instagram. Still feel free to do that. That's probably how I'll reach out to most people when wanting to schedule shows or stuff. That's probably what I'll do. And then if you'd like to send an email to us, you can also do that because I have an email. Unlockablespodcast at gmail.com. Send me a long-winded email about how you think I'm an idiot. Please send me a long-winded email about how Final Fantasy IX is the worst Final Fantasy. That's fine. I love hearing different people's opinions. I love talking, interacting with people. And I'm a pretty even keel guy. So if you want to like hurl insults at me, like I don't really care. Uh, your opinion is your opinion. And you're probably stupid anyway. So, <laughs> um, But that's going to be the show. I hope you guys enjoyed this. And I hope I'm really excited to get back to podcasting. This was a difficult, this was harder than I thought it was. I haven't done an actual show where I've had to plan things and talk for this period of time in almost two months, maybe three months. I'd have to double check when I put the Instagram post up. So I actually meant to do this way earlier in the day, but I, I was like nervous. I didn't want to like sit down in front of the microphone and record. It was, it was a really weird feeling, but it feels great to be back in front of the microphone talking to you guys. And I felt like my words are really good and I was able to keep talking and, 
it, it, it's great. I'm so excited to be starting this new journey. I'm so excited for you guys to hear what I have to say and the things I have to put out. So until next time, I hope you guys are having a great life and stay awesome.